What's going on everyone? It's Isis Daniel, also known as the Millennial Psalm, and I'm here just letting you know to stay tuned to the very end because we do have a discount code available for you guys for our featured wine. So I don't want y'all to miss out on a deal, okay? We talking 15% off, four bottles of wine, and you'll get to know more about the details as you continue listening. But thank y'all for tuning in and let's go ahead and get into the episode of the Millennial Psalm Podcast. All right, bye. <laughs> to dive in a little bit deeper on a conversation that I've already been talking to you guys about. Again, we are still raising funds in support of, yes, my move to France as I'm studying for my level four WSCT <laughs> diploma. Let's go. Actually getting ready to take my test later on this month, so pray for a sister. But also, we are conducting a case study on reimagining wine culture. Yes, with emphasis on French and wine culture, um, French and American culture rather. And I'm really excited to talk about our guest today because we have a guest who not only lives in New York City, but also is from France. So that understanding to be able to compare two cultures will be discussed later on in this podcast. But we also, of course, are going to end this podcast with a nice little wine and music purring because you know how I, you know how I get down, y'all. I love making music playlists and this has been something that I was nervous about doing, but Honestly, it's been amazing. I love, you know, seeing you guys. Been y'all been downloading the playlist. I have y'all need to talk to me and actually DM me and tell me what y'all think about these playlists. But I do see that you guys are downloading them and saving them. So I love it. Thank y'all for enjoying the music and wine playlist. And if there's anyone that you want me to have on the show, any wineries that you want me to feature, or even any singles or music that you want me to, you know, be inspired by to create a music playlist with a, a wine pairing, just let me know so that we can get our stuff off. You know. I'm saying because this is us this is our time <laughs> it's our time but before we get into everything I want to discuss the topic of culture now whenever I talk to wine professionals wineries or other trade professionals about wine culture I it's very interesting the different uh, responses that I get most time whenever I'm talking to someone who is within the industry I'll ask them like you know what is your take on wine culture and most times it's always some answer rooted in capitalism, rooted in how much money people spend, rooted in how you can get people to come out and purchase and, you know, and buy wine. And I think that that take on wine culture really does us a disservice because it takes out the whole definition of culture. It focuses primarily on wine sales. And I think that, um, well, let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Why not? So a lot of times I will be invited to go to, you know, different press trips where I will go out, you know, go to a different country, explore a different wine region, taste their wines, understand, you know, get to know people, the winemakers, all the things, right? But usually when I'm on these press trips, I'm invited alongside other wine professionals that range from influencers to journalists to buyers to any any person that is connected to wine and influencing people to go out and purchase wines. What I found is that the wine industry is made of so many dynamic people that create this body of functionality, right? You know, you have your arms, you have your fingers, you have your legs, you have the neck, you have the head, you have your feet, you have your legs, and all of these different members create one whole body. 
And the same thing goes within wine. I mean, we have farmers, winemakers, sales, retailers, buyers, influencers. We have lobbyists, auctioners, congressional representatives. The list literally goes on of all the different members, all the different forms of work that goes into the whole body of the wine industry. But it feels that whenever we talk about wine, it's very much limited to the sales tactic. How can we sell wine? How can we get wine in people's hands? And although that is obviously a very key point of the wine industry, because what's the point of making a product that no one is going to buy? I think that we are really not <laughs> understanding that to sell, you have to connect with who you are selling to and who you're selling to is not just a, com a customer, but a person. So the definition on Oxford uh, for culture is the ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular people or society. And I want us to take a moment to pause and to ask yourself, what is wine culture? And if we decide to focus in on the people, there might be there might be a better answer than, of course, just jumping to the easiest component of it, which is sales, right? Me as an African-American person, it would be a disservice for me as I describe the culture of being black to say, oh, it's only limited to the products I buy or it's only limited to how I speak about wine, or excuse me, how I speak about my blackness, right? Or how I choose to dress, who I choose to hang around. That is a very limited, narrow way to describe who I am as a black person. And for some reason, we tend to think that that approach is a solution for how we speak about wine. We're very limited to, again, sales. Selling wine is a part of the culture. It really is. But it's only one dimensional. It's only one side. You know what I'm saying? There's so many people going back to race, right? I'm black. And guess what? I grew up in Southeast DC, but I also spent time in Memphis. Um, I have family that's from Detroit, family that's from Alabama. And really my life has been influenced by all these different people, all who are black, but still have different foods that they'll eat, different ways that they call. Like my dad still calls soda pop and I'm from DC. We call that thing soda. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Culturally, we still are from the same culture, but we are different. And it really is all those different pieces of my history that make me who I am. So within wine, I want us to start reimagining and not even reimagining, but asking your question, what is the current state? Who are we as a culture outside of wine sales? Um, I think that if we ask ourselves that question and we push the envelope of what we visually see and experience, we'll get that, yes, you can have a wine tasting, but what are we eating at those wine tastings? What is the culture behind the pairings that we pick? Are they stuck in one person's culture that doesn't reflect the person who's buying or who's enjoying that wine tasting? Like, how can we make the wine experience as vibrant as the people who are drinking it? A true wine culture is a reflection of the people, of the society, of the ideas, right? And so I just, I, I don't know, that's just some, a little tangent that I want us to pause and really think about. Let me know if you understand what I'm talking about. You know, we always, you know, I'm always on Instagram. I'm now back on TikTok. So like, let's, let's have this conversation of what you feel true wine culture is. And then of course, we have our special guest from Sparkling Point, Jill Martin. Let's give it up for him. Yes, yes. But he will be joining us and discussing wine culture. And the awesome thing about having him on right now, as you guys know, I did move to France. And so he is from France, but lives in New York. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm from D.C., so come on, East Coast, and I'm in France. So we will be able to really digest and dissect this idea of culture and compare the two cultures. Um, but then, of course, we have everything that's been happening in the, in southern France, where we have the winemakers who were protesting at the Spanish border as other Spanish wines were crossing the borders into France. Um, and we're going to talk about that, just talk about a little bit of history, because I think we as a people, especially in this social media age, are so quick to judge judge you know we see something online and if it goes against our customs if it goes against what we feel is right 
We're quick to judge and say, hey, that's not right. This is totally unnecessary. But sometimes culture runs so much deeper. So we're going to talk about that. And of course, in this episode with a dynamic music and wine pairing. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this interview. Okay, I was a poet, didn't know it. I love you guys. Let's go. <laughs> If you're interested in supporting the Reimagining Young Wine Culture case study, click the link below to learn more and to donate. Thank you. Jill Martin, head winemaker at Sparkling Point, blends old world tradition with modern innovation in his wine creations. With 30 years of global experience and a scientific background, Jill brings a distinctive artistic talent to his craft. Born in France, Gilles obtained degrees in biology and food sciences, as well as a master's in enology. He has worked at wineries in Germany, Australia, and France before settling on the east coast of the United States. Gilles has overseen the birth of three well-established wineries in New York and now focuses on creating distinctive and classy sparkling wines on Long Island. His expertise brings out the best in each year's harvest, resulting in elegant and balanced wines. How you doing, Mr. Martin? I'm doing very good. Thank you for the intro. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you on. As you know, a lot of my followers know, I recently moved to France. And so the fact that you're from France but you live on the East Coast, and I'm from the East Coast, and I live here. I just feel like we were just meant to talk and connect. What do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a great pleasure to uh, have you on your show. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so everyone knows I've been on this crazy kick on culture, right? Um, and being someone who just absolutely loves sparkling wine and being in France, I just think that there's a special connection with you because you specialize in creating wines through the champagne method. So why don't you just talk to me, give us a quick breakdown on what that means and what we can expect from Sparkling Point Wines. So basically the method Champenoise is a very specific method. We are producing uh, white wines that we call base wine that will referment in the bottle by addition of a little bit of sugar and yeast. And that creates the effervescence that you have, the nice bubble that we all enjoy. Um, it's very important because that technique is quite different than just producing white wines, regular steel wines. It has a lot more steps to the process and makes it a little bit uh, harder uh, than just creating um, regular white wines. But and that's the art of Champagne. We are blending three varieties, which are Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay, to create exceptional um, cuvee that will uh, have different flavors upon its constitution, upon its blending. And uh, that's what I'm doing here uh, at uh, Sparking Point on Long Island, being able to create those uh, uh, wines that are without any uh, uh, appellation uh, that we have in France that, uh, you know, restrict a little bit what you can do. There is no restriction in the style of wine that I can create here in the U.S. Excellent. I think that's awesome. I mean, because you grew up in a, a town near Champagne, right? Exactly. I was born in Meaux, which is about, uh, let's say, 20 miles from uh, the nearest uh, uh, vineyards of Champagne. And, um, you know, in, in, in the Paris area, we always drank champagne, uh, not only for celebration, but also if we have uh, a nice dinner, a romantic dinner most of the time. And, and um, uh, it's part of the, our blood. Uh, maybe have a bubbly blood as well. Hey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, it, 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 is, it is a tradition in France to um, stop continue or end up a, a meal with uh, champagne or with sparkling wine and, and it's always enjoyable um, to be able to pair food and, and wine and 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 again uh, champagne or sparkling wines are not only effervescent wines they're also real wines you can really enjoy the quality of those wines with food so they pair very well not only with fish but with a lot of different uh, uh, meals on we talk about bubbles we talk about how bubbles cut through fat so if you have any fried food things of that nature um i just i love sparkling wine i love i just 
that's my thing. I don't know when this happened, um, it's, which makes me kind of laugh because growing in my uh, journey in wine, I actually started off enjoying dry red wines, which I know is kind of opposite of what everyone else goes through. They're like, usually I start with sweet and then you work your way up. I actually started the opposite direction. Um, and as I continued, you know, learning about wines and through my studies, that was when I discovered my love, my obsession with sparkling wine. Now, speaking of obsession, you decided to be the person, you know, I think it's kind of crazy. Any person who wants to go into actually making wine, I'm like, whew, more power to you. But I would like to know about that moment when you, I mean, was it when you were growing up near Champagne, near the region where you were like, man, this is something I want to do. I want to create wine. What was that journey for you? I think the, the journey started um, in my family. Mm. Uh, my grandfather had orchards and was producing cider. So I've always been around a, um, uh, an ag product that uh, we will transform. And when I had to choose the studies that I wanted to do, I said, I don't want to sit behind a desk. Right. I want to be out there. I want to be outside. And um, and that's why I started to uh, uh, study food industry. Food industry because that was opening up a lot of different worlds. And as I was doing my studies, I realized that there's a lot of um, biotechnology in that industry at the time, in the 80s. Uh, that are getting developed. And, and I was kind of a scientific uh, mind and I wanted to uh, go in that direction. And after a couple of years of uh, studies, I realized that I wanted to know more and I decided to go to uh, winemaking because my uh, uncle was a winemaker down in south of France and he tricked me. He said, Gilles, here, down south, and I know south well, we have the sea, we have the mountains, we have the beautiful sunshine, the weather, mm -hmm. and the beautiful girls. <laughs> so I was single at the time, as you can imagine, as a student. Like you sold me at girls, let's no, go. <laughs> this, is, this is for me. You know, you live in Paris. At the time in Paris, it was very gray and rainy. Mm. So I said, enough of that. Let's go for the sunshine. <laughs> yes, I love it. But, but it's, it's later on in my life that actually I really meet the people that gave me that that passion and that desire to do something new um through through my different uh, journey um i end up being working for a french winery in california called rodera estate mm -hmm. and rodera is a winery that's very has or kept very close tie with the uh, french uh institution and uh working with those french people in france as well in in uh, california i really learned to create those wines create those purees that are very specific and and what's what's the view what's the uh, philosophy behind them to create something that people love and hopefully if you love something people love the same thing if, if they don't love the same thing then you know you should change but that's the idea is to understand what people love, obviously, uh, you know, uh, appreciate it too, and then go and create new products. So um, it's the expertise that really brought me into that, that world. And really, I thank those people, those mentors, um, to have given me that passion into creating those ones. So the good thing is, as a Frenchman, being in on the East Coast or being in, in the America, we don't have the same rules that in France. So we can really express our artistic uh, views into uh, this world and not being guided by those rules that the appellation uh, brings you in France. So, and actually, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I would like, you know, mm -hmm. I do have some listeners who might not understand that... Appalachian breakdown and the rules that are in place in certain regions. Can you give us just a nice overview of what that means? Yes. So the, the French appellations are there to also help the economics, but basically they will uh, tell you what type of variety you can grow in a specific area and how you should conduct the, the harvest of those grapes and some of the, uh, 
technical uh, process to uh, in the winemaking to make those wines. And, you know, it's not necessarily all bad. It's just that it's helping an area to develop its own um, uh, style uh, for the people to recognize them. And it's, it's helping the different uh, wineries to sell their wines as well. So it's not a negative aspect necessary. It's just that those are guidelines that, uh, you know, you have to follow. For example, if you are in Burgundy, the two varieties of Burgundies are Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. If you want to grow something else, well, there's another exception, but if you want to grow something else like uh, a Bordeaux varieties, there is no way that you're going to be able to grow that as something else than a French table wine and not a, uh, a Meursault or or any of those appellation, prestigious appellation or Puma or whatever. So this is, in a sense, to respect what people are doing there for centuries. And this is also to um, uh, make sure that the public gets what they are supposed to buy. So it is, it is a good thing. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but it limits what you can do for the goods of the area. You, know, you get to be as artistic as possible with your wines because right. you are in the United States and New York. So tell me a little right. bit so, about that too. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, to, to go on, on your direction actually, in uh, on Long Island in the US in general, you can plant whatever variety you want and, and make the wine out of those varieties um and express that so we are not limited to do sparkling red wine sparkling wine you know uh, rosé white wine dessert wine we can do whatever we like in our area as long as we can the, the varieties and we are uh, as winemakers guiding the quality of a fruit to a quality wines and that's i think our role as winemakers is to understand the philosophy that we want to develop behind the product from growing the grapes with the uh, vineyard managers to making the wine and selling to a public that accepting those wines. Because it's important to make great wine, otherwise, uh, you know, you're just another drop in the ocean of wine. So you have to make something very specific, very special uh, that people recognize and, and make your area also known for. And, you know, I have to say that we are fortunate on Long Island to uh, have a climate that's more moderate by the three body of uh, water that surrounded uh, the area mm -hmm. and and we are uh, capable to do a lot of different style of wines very well so we're not too limited in terms of style so that's that's a great um, uh, a great uh, portrait if you want of the area in the sense that on Long Island you'll have very nice white wines but also very nice red wines and sparkling has his his place as well so but you know that actually is a great segue um to my next question because you have this flexibility that you didn't necessarily have when you were in france so tell me why is it that you've decided to focus on sparkling wine as i mentioned it a little bit uh, earlier i had the uh, great honor to work with people from uh, the Rodera group in france creator of crystal or uh, the champagne dirt and I was able through my career to meet all those great winemakers in that domain. And I really learned the secret of uh, the method Champenoise with them. And for me, um, as I first came on Long Island for more family reason, um, I uh, was an advocate to uh, sparkling wine from the day one. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, fortunate to, make, uh, to meet the owner of uh, Sparking Point, uh, Tom and Cynthia Rosicki. Uh, that gave me carte blanche to um, create those fantastic wines that are, you know, through, uh, what is it now, uh, almost 20 years of existence, have really shown um, a great brightness into the, the competition world, in the wine world as well. And, you know, we earn uh, scores like 93 uh, for our Blanc de Blanc Reserve, and and 91 for the Blanc de Blanc. We just got the 93 also for the Blanc de Noir. We really have a great recognition in, in the world. And also because of the consistency of, of our wines. Yes. And the method Champenoise, the way it's created, is actually helping us 
to uh, guard that consistency through the years. Yes. I mean, first of all, congratulations on all your success. I think that that's amazing. I love sparkling wine again, so I can't wait. I should, I'm hoping, I'm hoping I will be in New York very soon. So I'll have to make my way over and come taste with you for sure. Um, so but- I, will be, I will be at Ville Expo uh, next February. So if you are in France in February, come to the Ville Expo Paris. I'll be happy to meet you there. I will be here. Let's meet right. up. <laughs> it's, 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 yes. it's a date. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so let's actually talk a little bit more about um, this move to Long Island and um, particularly picking Long Island to grow your grapes and to make your wine, right? Um, I know that in the south of France, they are having a lot of issues with climate change and that's also affecting their harvest. I would like to know your thoughts on why you picked Long Island in particular and have you had any experiences, benefits or otherwise from climate change? Yeah, so, um, you know, I came to Long Island, as I mentioned earlier, for family reason. Uh, my uh, wife is a uh, professor at uh, Rutgers uh, University in New Jersey, so not too far away. And as we had our kids, we had to decide where to uh, settle uh, for them and, and for our careers. Um, on the East Coast, I think one of the most privileged terroir in terms of climate and, and soil is certainly uh, Long Island. Um, and, and I was able um, to come out of here about 25 years ago and, and to beautiful Long Island. As you know, Long Island is a fantastic uh, place to live on. And um, it's, it's, um, I had the opportunity to, to uh, grow here as the wine business and the wine community grew there. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to um, uh, you know, carry my expertise uh, out here on Long Island. And I was able to meet a lot of great people in this industry. Some of them, as I mentioned, the Rosikis gave me the, uh, the opportunity the opportunity to do what I wanted uh, and created those uh, very fantastic wine. And um, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic for a winemaker not to have to walk in somebody's shoes, but to really uh, be the first one the first step on the moon was yeah. on the moon was on Long Island, but uh, same way it's it's, it's it's a lot of proud, of pride. I'm really proud and a lot of pride into uh, being able to um, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, raising a family here in America is also very interesting and and um, has some different culture, but it's, it's it's a great thing to be able to do. I'm always tied with friends. I never lost my ties with uh, with the family in France and the society in France as well. And uh, today I have kids that have been growing up in two parts of the uh, the ocean. And I think they gain a lot from that. And I'm very proud of that as well. So professionally and also uh, uh, individually speaking, I'm really happy to have done that move. Mm. You know, you are doing an excellent job of helping me with my pivots to the next question. <laughs> so thank you for making my job easier. But I would like well, to know um, more on your thoughts, the difference between French wine culture and American wine culture. And if you want to make it less America, more focused on New York, uh, that's fine too. But how would you compare the two? Yeah, two, two different things, two different worlds. I think when I first came to the U.S., I was kind of uh, surprised how many people will read magazines to understand what wine is and what it is about, where in France, we just narrated that from the from the family, basically. Hmm. As a, a kid, you grow up, and then as you're tall enough to reach the, the top of the table, you can grab those glass after the, the adults leave the, the room and <laughs> take the wine yourself. See if you like it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a self-education, I would say, in France, where in the U.S. people are willing and understanding to learn more about uh, the wine uh, in the world. And, and it makes them actually a little bit more of an open mind of what's what's uh, produced in the world. In France, we are a little more chauvinist, as we say in French, 
where um, you know we kind of like our area, we like our uh, producers, we uh, kind of uh, keep it in the family sometimes for generations. You know, this domain was my dad's producers of wine, and I'm, I like to buy the wine there, and so on. So the approach is a little different. Um, I think the advantage of uh, being born in France is that it's part of your culture. You you are born with food and 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 wine. It's always important to uh, uh, pair a, a great wine with with the great food that your parents or yourself cook and and your family uh, heritage brings you. So. Where in the U.S. it's more discovered of new cuisines, particularly in New York, where we're fortunate to have a lot of cuisine of the world and, mm-hmm. and be able to be exposed to a lot of uh, styles that also actually requires a lot of different styles of wine as well. So, yes. Um, it's, it's a lot different, but both sides are very interesting. And, you know, food and wine makes people very nice, very approachable. And it's so sociable as well. So, you know, uh, wine is known for bringing people together. And I think it's interesting hearing your point of view because how you're describing the different cultures is exactly what I've been able to kind of witness myself firsthand since being here. Um, But I also have a thought. So if you're ready, just, just get ready to go down a rabbit hole with me, all right? So as we know, there has been this major decline in wine interest and consumption within the States and then also um, here in France and all throughout Europe. Um, And you actually said something that was very interesting. You said um, the French like to kind of keep it in the family, have a keep it in the family mindset. My question to you, in particular to France, do you think that that mindset might have been helpful um, when you were growing up, but this next generation that that mindset is the thing that is kind of turning them away from wine or making them less interested? No, I think it's, it, you know, it's like any um, any uh, uh, history, it's a cycle. So um, what you see is that the, ni- the last uh, 20 years, we had a nice uh, uh, rise into the wine consumption uh, or increase in the wine uh, consumption around the world. And I think, um, the reaction of, of that is, of course, the competitors, the spirit industry, the beer industry wanted to gain back some shares of that market that they lost. So I think it's, it's a cycle and, and, and it's understandable that, um, uh, um, you know, Miriam maybe not as interested now into wine, but I think they will be because um, as they discover food, they will realize that wine has, it, it, it's another food in a certain way. Yes, it it's is. part of the meal. It's part of the appreci- appreciation of uh, the table, what, what people brings you. And, and uh, as they grow up, they're gonna switch from uh, getting hard liquor, all those cocktails, a lot of sweetness, a lot of uh, uh, all kind of flavors that they're happy to discover to something a little more, um, uh, more nuance, more elegance, more finesse, a little bit like the wine itself. Um, discovering of, of very specific uh, flavors uh, into the, uh, the cuisine and into the wine. Um, so I, I, I understand that we maybe have a little less consumption right now in the world, but it, it, is, it is a cycle that we see, that I've seen already uh, a couple of times through my lifetime. So. Mm. Um, it's unfortunate maybe for now, but hopefully it's not, it won't be lost forever. So in the moments that you witnessed the cycle, was there something that was done in order to spark that uptick of interest? Anything that you can remember from those moments? Well, I think the first thing is for people to uh, uh, to come and visit us, to come and visit the wineries, to um, discover what's the, the work of wine, because in wine making, we have one chance a year. We have one season. Mm-hmm. We, we have only one chance. So if that vintage is a great vintage, good for us. It's easy to make wine. If that vintage is a difficult vintage because of the rain um, or because of the weather in general, um, then we have to be even better to make those wines. Um, and they will understand how much it's part of food 
once once they visit wineries and and they go to restaurants and and, and enjoy uh, you know there was also the last few years development into uh, uh, the quick food you know the easy food the uh, uh, the finger food all, all that and 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 I think it's normal that we go back to the more traditional recipe the the, the sit down diner dining and, and and all that 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 maybe was a little bit left on the side. And people realize that it's a way of also to gather people together and 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 have that that experience and and, and sharing something more than just uh, food and wine. We're sharing also uh, humanity, if I can use that term. Um, I, I think I think people will realize that very quickly. You know, once once they away from that, from that. And we have here on Long Island, we have a big development on what we call agrotourism. Uh, where people come out here to discover uh, the farms, to discover the uh, the food, not only the wineries, but also the, the farm stands. Right now it's uh, pumpkin season. Uh, it was apple season and, 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 and they bring their kids and, and, and they enjoy the countryside, which is something that we all, uh, uh, we cannot stay away too long from that. So what I'm receiving is in order to really spark this uptick, we have to focus on the experiences and allowing people to get to know the stories behind the wine, the evolution of wine, and also the food and the communities around that support it. I 100% agree. Um, That's why I've been on this culture kick. Because whenever we talk about wine and we try to digest and break down what wine culture is, I think a lot of times we get stuck on just the wine sales. How do we sell wine rather than understanding that people connect with people? So I actually appreciate everything you're saying, even down to having the finger foods and the more approachable foods that will help you kind of hold your hand and walk you through being able to have a little more culture, um, honest foods, right? That food pairing and everything going with its history, I I 100% agree. But before we move on, I mean, you also have a tour that's coming up, right? Where people get to experience this story behind Sparkling Point. Exactly. You can can book online, uh, sparklingpoint.com, a tour of the winery and experience of the method champenoise in a certain way where we explain uh, people how we create those beautiful bubbles and and you can taste a few wines uh, and understand the different style of uh, our varieties that uh, I grow out here, the Chardonnay, the Pinot Noir, the Pinot Meunier. Um, it is something that's very interesting. We have a lot of great comments about those tours um, because it's it's difficult to create a sparkling wine. It's way more difficult to create a sparkling wine than a regular steel wine. And people appreciate all the, the effort and the uh, dedication that we put in, in those uh, each of those bottles, if I can put it that way, once they learn about it. Okay, so make sure you guys go ahead. All the information will be in the description below. So if you are in New York or you want to travel to New York, because I know y'all love to travel, make sure that you sign up so that you can have this wonderful experience. Um, But we're actually getting ready to round out. So you know, I have to have my current events question. All right, you are from France. And so me being here, I I had to make content. I've made a couple videos kind of talking about this crazy protesting that um, was happening on the French border where we had French winemaker, excuse me, the Spanish um, and France border where French winemakers were really protesting and putting their foot down on a couple of issues. I know that with climate change, um, there's been a difficult economic um, condition that's been going on there. France has imported more than 650 million cases of Spanish wine um, since 2021, um, And right now, in I think it was like October 19th, they actually went and stopped some um, some trucks and decided we're going to destroy any Spanish wine we see. Now, I've done a little bit of research and understand that this kind of behavior is not new. But I know people no. online, yeah, right? But people online um, who are not from France had a lot to say. They were... They were like, you know, I just feel like there's a better way to go about this. Why is this so? Why is it so aggressive? I don't think I agree. 
And when, once I did a little research and I learned that this is nothing new, it actually made me look at the situation with a different lens. So tell me, I know you're in New York living a peaceful life, but tell me um, <laughs> what your thoughts are on this. Uh, it, it always has been a, a French behavior to um, protest on what people think, um, you know, uh, a politi political situation might not be or might be. And um, in the case of uh, the viticulture or in, in South of France, uh, there always been a, a strong competition between France, Italy, and Spain regarding um, wines. And, and um, some people are disagreeing with the, uh, you know, the economic or the situation of the moment or the political uh, situation of the moment. We come also out of a uh, very difficult uh, path with COVID that really impacted a lot of, of those producers for two, three years, uh, having the restaurant closed. And, you know, I'm in New York. We haven't have seen half of what ha that happened in France in terms of, of rules and, and, and regulations. And um, it, they expressed their anger toward the, uh, the government um, for the politics that they have now. Now, I have to say that um, uh, I'm sorry for our colleague from Spain because they're also producing very nice wines yeah. as well. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think we're talking about those particular wines. I think we're talking more about the mass-produced wines that yes. are the issue in this, uh, in this story, like always. It's been like that for many years. Um, it started a long time ago, um, and and uh, it's part of the French society to demonstrate, and it's part of the uh, reality of democracy. You have to demonstrate in terms of being heard their their point of view. Unfortunately, sometimes it comes down to those events that are not necessarily nice to see. And um, but it's important that uh, people's voice to be heard, and demonstration is part of uh, French life. Mm -hmm. And it's um, mm -hmm. it's very important. We'll see it today in the U.S. as well with some um, issue with unions. Um, and it's part of democracy. You should understand that. It's part of the freedom of speech. It's part of, of what we believe in. And um, uh, it's part of society. One thing I love um, witnessing, uh, especially when I did a little bit of research, I, I learned about one riot back in 1907, if I hopefully I'm saying the right year, where, you know, the protesters and winemakers, it started off only 500 protesters and it grew to over 800,000 protesters because they went across France and gained support. And to me, I think that's the missing piece that um, people who are viewing that particular uh, protest with error. I think what we are witnessing are the beginnings of people coming together and saying, we need a solution. And this is how we've always done it. And this is, you know, how we've done it in the past has yielded results. So I think we should, as you said, listen to people. They are protesting. They deserve their voices to be heard. But this is showing a bigger issue that I think we as an industry, not just, you know, winemakers or wine um, professionals in France, but we as an industry globally need to start paying attention and figuring out what we can do. Because the same issues that are happening in France are also happening in California as we speak with importers coming in yeah. and smaller producers, really their livelihoods being in threat, right? Um, so, yes. yeah, go ahead. Talk to me if you have any other thoughts. Yeah, no, no, I, I fully uh, agree with, with you. I think it's important to um, uh, to support people in their in their industry and, and understand how difficult things are going those days. I mean, labor rate goes up uh, um, and, and so on. And, and meanwhile, is, uh, the price of food is not taking that uh, increase that it should have done. I mean, I've been saying that for many, many years, food was too cheap for too long. People don't realize that, but really, really for too long. And 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 food producers been really having problems for too too long, for more than 20, 30 years. Um, and the catch-up is difficult to 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 do in, in certain way because of all those years of not being able to raise your price or or having to produce more in order to produce cheaper. Um, 
And I think that's what local movement have solved a little bit, it's helping with it on Long Island, helping the community, the agriculture, the rural and agricultural community to develop on site. It's a little more expensive, but it creates uh, jobs and it creates an economy that has left the area before. And I think it's important to thank the people that are shopping local uh, for that, because otherwise we would not be here. And, and uh, a lot of people won't be able to uh, raise a family on Long Island as well. So, Yes, everyone always remember. And you said it earlier too, which I thought was amazing. Wine is food, wine is agriculture. Um, and as we care about wine, we care about our farmers and we care about the food and the prices and all of that. Our everyday lives are connected to wine whether you realize it or not. And we will have more content and more interviews on that conversation as well, because it's a it's a matter that the everyday consumer needs to care about. Now we're gonna leave on a good note, on a good note. Okay, serious conversation, don't worry. <laughs> so the holidays are um, coming up. Um, and so I would like for you to just give us a quick, you know, if you have any uh, recommendations for any foods that are coming up for Thanksgiving, which you're from France and you'll be in the States because you've been there, but enjoying Thanksgiving. And I will be here studying for my first D1 test. Oh my God. Okay. So give me um, some recommendations uh, for sparkling point wines with any of our favorite holiday foods, if you have anything ready. Okay. So with the traditional uh, holiday meal, um, I think what you can do is you start with a nice bottle of the uh, of the Blanc de Blanc, or, which is always a nice way to uh, uh, set the uh, the flavors, or the autumnal flavors, more of the uh, floral scent of the Chardonnay into the wine, some some uh, uh, brioche notes into it, and uh, it's just. Uh, put your uh, mouth into uh, a good appetite for the rest. And then with the food, we have a, uh, um, a, a cuvee that aged eight years on the yeast, meaning that it develops intensively those uh, uh, nut characters, those uh, doughy characters and doughtiness, um, which is the 2014 Brut Seduction, because we want to seduce you. Yes. And, um, I want to and, be and that goes very... <laughs> and that goes very well with 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 the first part of the course, and then of course you can enjoy uh, a nice blanc de noir, which is uh, a blend of pinot noir and pinot meunier that will uh, reveal more of those red fruit characters, the cherry like, and that can maybe complement a little bit the cranberry uh, flavors into uh, the uh, stuffing and uh, and the uh, the different part of the the meal and uh, you know enjoy a, a fantastic dinner that way uh, but we have about a dozen different styles so i welcome you to come to the winery here in south old new york on long island and to discover them all or part of them mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and have your favorite of course okay and everyone if you are interested in having any of the wines that he mentioned or you go on the website or you go and visit guess what we have a special discount code for you guys yes we do okay so enthusiasts and by the way everything is going to be again in the description so don't worry you don't have to memorize this but in the description below we have 15 percent off four bottles or more on sparklingpoint.com the code is enthusiast all capital letters so make sure that you take advantage and you have some great sparkling wine for your thanksgiving and christmas meals or excuse me your holiday meals let me say that the right way sorry so <laughs> thank you so much um for joining me today is there anything you want to leave with the people before we go well i'm gonna wish everyone a happy holidays and of course uh please come and visit us and uh, you're welcome in our uh, winery uh, wherever you're coming from and uh, and hopefully you'll have an experience of your lifetime. You will have an experience of your lifetime. I'm saying it right now. I know you will. All right. Thank you so much, Jules, for joining me. And you guys, I will see you on the next segment that we have coming up. It's time for some music, y'all. Let's go. Today's music and wine playlist is definitely one of my favorites. Why? Because I created this playlist back in March. Uh, I actually shared it with a couple of friends and family. So I'm excited to be here to be able to share it with y'all because y'all been loving these playlists and it just makes my heart 
so warm again because this is 1000% a love language of mine to create playlists about how I feel what's on my mind um, if I want to connect with someone uplift anyone like this is a true way of communication for me um, so I'm going with this Odie but goodie playlist because that's how I feel about sparkling wine in general um, but today we are pairing this playlist with the uh, sparkling point 2017 Cuvée Cynthia. This is a playlist that has a lot of my favorite hits on it. Um, it was actually inspired by the original Janelle Monae song called Float when it first came out. I started working on this playlist. Um, but then after I created it, I had I went to Dallas and hung out with my sister for a bit. And she was just getting me on game with like a whole lot of songs. And so there was a switch up where I ended up changing the original song to the remix, Janelle Monae uh, featuring Coco and Breezy, the remix of Float. And then from there, this playlist just took a whole different vibe. There's some world music on here. Um, there's some funk in here. Like, you know, shout out to the Brides of Frankenstein, <laughs> Disco to Go, if you know, you know. <laughs> um, also, we have some great covers on here from Don, um, Donny Hathaway covering Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. I mean, heck. Like, it's, it's, it's just so much going on with this playlist. Uh, Hiatus Coyotes on here. We got Yubba's on here. Khalees. I mean, it's tanking the bangers. Like, the list literally goes on and on. A couple of my favorites. Songs that I discovered at that time are on this playlist and are still songs that I go to back to back just because I feel uplifted after listening to this playlist. I feel inspired. Um, I just automatically get in a great mood. And that's exactly what sparkling wine does to me, especially sparkling wine that's made in the traditional method that is of quality. And that's exactly what we get from our sparkling point wine today. So I hope y'all can, you know, enjoy this playlist, drink some wine, get some sparkling point if you can. And let me know when the vibe hits you because it's going to hit you. It's very, this playlist is a little funky. You even have a little um, James Brown up in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so again, y'all know how it is. Make sure you listen straight through. No skips. Really give it a chance. And then of course, again, enthusiast. That is the, uh, the code if you want to be able to go to Sparkling Points website. Link is going to be in the description so that you can get you know, 15% off four bottles of wine. This is holiday season. It's time for you to stock up on your sparkling wines, not only for the holidays of Thanksgiving and, you know, what's happening during, you know, I call it Christmas, whatever you like to call it <laughs> during this time, but then also for the new year. This is like back-to-back -back holidays and you need to stock up on your sparkling wines, trust. So go out there, utilize the discount, but then also make sure that you click the links below so that you can, number one, donate to the fund. Because I'm still doing my research. I'm still out here paying out of pocket for school. But then also click the link so that you can listen to this playlist and take advantage of this 15% off. I love y'all so much. And um, thank y'all for sticking to the very end. I love y'all so much. Oh my goodness. All right, y'all. I'll be out. Bye. Y'all know what time it is. The Millennial Song Podcast. Have a seat and grab a glass. Millennial Song Podcast. Time to wind down, swirl that glass, open up. If you like how it's feeling, catch the vibe, turn it up. Y'all know what time it is. The Millennial Song Podcast. Have a seat and grab a glass. Millennial Song Podcast. Time to wind down, swirl that glass.